Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. My name is Kate. And I'm Rebecca. We've created this space just for you because we're both moms and we get you. Yes, we believe there truly ain't no hood like the motherhood and we need to be in this together. We also believe we can't mom well without Jesus. So you're going to hear us talk about him too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gather Moms and make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, mamas, let's jump in. Hey, mamas. Welcome back to the Gather Moms podcast. We are in our new season called Mind Your Motherhood. Yes, ma'am. And um, after listening to the last couple episodes, one of my friends was like, I feel like y'all got some sass. I'm like, yeah, we do. Really? Yeah, girl. Mind your motherhood. Oh, we've always been sassy. I, though, have been very conscious of that. I am telling on myself (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Kate's making us all feel better about our lives. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I feel like it's like, um, it's like vulnerability hangover, you know, where you're kind of like, Ooh, <laughs> was that overshare? Did I share too much? But people are really good to like message me like, thank you for sharing that. It helps. So, I mean, that makes it worth it. But sometimes I listen yes. back and I'm like, dang, Kate, you told on yourself. I think that's why the Lord gave us a podcast. Cause he was like, y'all got a lot of issues. Well, so yes. share them with the world so everybody else can feel better. Yes, that's true. Yeah. If that Maybe that helps somebody today. If you've got issues, you know what? It's because the Lord wants you to tell people. Okay. And you are welcome here. <laughs> yeah. So we have got such a great season ahead of us with our whole Mind Your Motherhood. We're going to walk through some parenting seasons and talk about all the things that moms struggle with, how to let go of some expectations, how to look forward to the season that you're in instead of, you know, getting down the road past it and looking back and go, man, I wish I'd leaned in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but before we jump into all those different seasons, I just really thought there was a topic that we needed to talk about for motherhood. And I believe that God knows this intimately because he includes so many examples in the Bible. We see his extreme care and loving kindness for his daughters. And ladies, all of us know someone who has struggled or maybe is in the midst of struggling with this. In fact, I would guess that most of us have maybe even experienced some of it. Mm. Um, We need to lean into this group of mamas, our friends, our daughters, our sisters, our sisters-in-laws, because they need to know that they are not alone in their struggle. And so we wanted this episode to remind you that you are seen, you are loved by Heavenly Father, but you are welcomed in our community. So today we're going to talk openly about the season of waiting Mm. that comes when you have expectation to become a mom. And for some of you, that means a struggle with infertility. Yeah. And that's a really heavy subject. And so what I want to be careful of today is that I highlight this season, but I don't cast any more shame Mm -hmm. or hurt Yeah, because I think the whole idea of infertility is just wrapped up in hurt. And one of our core beliefs in Gather Moms is that you are not alone, but I think sometimes we struggle alone. We keep things hidden. We try to deal with it on our own. We don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, not Kate. She's very vulnerable. (laughs) Um, But we say things like, no one knows what I'm going through. Yeah. Or they wouldn't understand. Or if I tell somebody all this, they're going to run because it's too much for them. So why do you think struggling to get pregnant might be hard for someone to share? Well, because, you know, like I have someone um, that I work with and she is in that. And so then it becomes where you're always asking or like if they start feeling sick, it's like, oh, are you pregnant? Or, uh, you know, she has a doctor's appointment and I'm like, oh, what's the doctor? So I have to be careful to not because 
because it's something she's in the process of it and it's, it's taking them some time. And I think if you're the person in the waiting season, you might be reluctant to share because then the people around you who potentially are trying to be supportive end up asking you about stuff all the time that may trigger like feelings that aren't great. Um, and you know, they just want to be excited for you, but still it's kind of like, ugh, you know? Yeah. No, I was talking to a friend, um, that's going through this struggle and she said, it's like one of those things that you get a reminder about every month, whether you exactly. like it or not. Exactly. And that's God's design that uh-huh. he's given women a cycle, uh-huh. but it's also like, it's like you run up this hill towards that moment in expectation. And then you either get excited at the top of the hill or you roll down the other side. Well, and Unfortunately, so many PMS symptoms are similar to early pregnancy symptoms, and it can be hard to navigate which of those feelings are what and to be able to to know. And so you can start getting this expectation that something's coming and then, oh, the letdown when, you know, the, the thing you were hoping for was not fulfilled. And you're right. It's every month. Every month. And there's so many women that are probably experiencing experiencing this right now that mm-hmm. may be even listening to our podcast and nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows what you're going through. Yeah. Nobody knows. And I know it's hard to talk about, but I want you to know that the enemy's trying to lie to you. He wants nothing more than to keep you in the dark because then he can whisper those lies mm-hmm. in your head. So I just want you to know that we are here as a community to love on you. And even in scripture, Galatians 6, 2 says, share each other's burdens And in this way, obey the law of Christ. And that word burden in the Greek here means weight, something heavy that has significance. So ladies, if it matters to you, it matters to us. So find a safe person to tell because we don't want anybody that's experiencing infertility to feel frustrated, to feel alone. Um, Some of those feelings are going to be natural because they're just part of the process. But if we can walk alongside you in any way, we want you to know that Gather Moms is here for you in in that space. And I think sometimes it is frustrating because you look around at other women that maybe have babies or had an easy time getting pregnant and you think they don't get it. Well, I think that's the other awkward part of this is when you are in that phase and you're waiting and trying to get pregnant, you potentially are around other women who are in your same phase of life. And so they're getting pregnant and then you feel like it's awkward for them to tell you or celebrate with you because they don't want to make you feel bad. And there's just a lot of mixed emotions there of kind of what's happening in those friend groups and in those communities that can be, that can add a layer of complication. I would say to the point of what you just said about finding a safe person Uh, that you would tell them and that it's okay to tell them, Hey, I wanted to let you know about this. It would be super helpful if you would just periodically ask me how you can pray and you can, you can coach the people that love you and you can tell them, you can say, uh, please don't ask me about it every week or, you know, whatever. Uh, and, but Asking someone, hey, how can I be praying, <laughs> kind of opens a door for what do they want to share? That's you know, right. I'm not going to push too hard. If they want to share, then they can. But it's okay to coach the people that you let in of what would be best for you. They they actually love you and they want to know that information. That's such a good nugget of truth just for life in general. Yeah. That people that love you want to know what is most helpful to you. Yeah. So it's okay to share with them. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. And I, I think we need to just put it out there that if you are, if you get pregnant and your friend is not getting pregnant, 
it's okay to tell her she's happy for you. She, there may be a little bit of pain for her, but that doesn't negate. She, she wants you to tell her. I think it actually makes things worse when we withhold it because then we just, the person in the waiting season is filling their mind up with, oh, they were thinking all these things about me and no, just tell her. That's right. Just tell her, let her celebrate with you. If it hurts and it may hurt, she, she can handle that. God can, God can hold her there. That's right. So don't hold, don't withhold. That's good. That's really good. So as we move into this topic today, we want you to know, mamas, that we are in no way elevating ourselves as experts on this topic. Oh, certainly not. Um, And we're not trying to diminish your pain by giving some biblical background for what's going on. We hope that this episode just highlights this common struggle because maybe you've never gotten to be in a space where someone talked about it. Mm. Um, And we also want to remind each other that we can be full of grace and kindness when we talk to each other. Just like what Kate said, that we can celebrate with each other even if we're hurting, that we can be vulnerable with each other and coach someone on how to help us. And that most of all, ladies, we can pray, pray, pray that God would have purpose for all the things that we experience because he is, he's redeeming all of it. So what I want to start with is nowhere in God's word is infertility associated with personal sin or a curse from God. Good. So just Good know point. right now, yeah, that is, there's nothing that you have done. Um, God is not punishing you. And instead, what God did in his word is he actually regularly demonstrated care towards women who suffered with infertility. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you start to research, you will be amazed at the number of women included in Scripture that struggled with not having a baby. Sarah, who was the wife of Abraham, was 90 years old before she had Isaac. Ladies, that's potentially 70 years of waiting for a baby. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Rebecca in Genesis 25 was barren, and her husband Isaac prayed on her behalf, and then God opened her womb. Rachel and Genesis 30 was without children for many years. And if you remember, we talked about this on one of our podcasts, that her sister Leah had baby after baby. Right. And, and there was a sense of, of comparison and jealousy there. Um, there's a woman in the scripture named Manoah's wife. We don't actually get her first name, but it's in Judges 13. She's actually the mom of Samson. And oh, she right. struggled. Okay. She struggled with being yeah. barren before she had Samson. And then one that we don't talk about very much that is... I just, when I hit this one, I was like, oh, God, you're right. Ruth. Yeah. So Ruth was married um, in Moab to Naomi's son for 10 years. They never had any children. Right. Then she returned back to Bethlehem, and we have the whole story of her meeting Boaz, and only then did she have Obed. Yeah. So we don't know why she wasn't able to have children in those first 10 years. There's just woman after woman in Scripture. It It is actually a somewhat oddly common theme. And that just seems like the kindness of God. But I think it, to your point, you never look at those women and see God withholding favor. He was always at work. That's right. It was always part of his plan. That's and, right. and you look at who he created through those women and what he did in them. Uh, and it was always his kindness, not punishment. Infertility shows no favoritism. I mean, when you look throughout scripture, when you look even throughout our world today, Beautiful women from young to old, from every walk of life, an array of nations, rich and poor, all of us struggle with this infertility. Mm -hmm. Worldwide, infertility affects one in six women. Mm. So it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It's across the board that women struggle with this. And the pages of scripture shout to you today, I see you 
and you are not alone. Good. Um, it's important to note too, this is not just a female problem. We talk about this as mamas and women, but it's a male and female reproductive problem. Exactly. And so there's many a man out there that's struggling too because he doesn't have children. And and we're not, you know, that's not our podcast. Sure. But if you're married, just know that that partner is struggling too. And so it's not something that just affects women, it affects men too. And we see that in scripture. We see um, in scripture the men going to God on behalf of their wives and asking for a child. The intense grief that comes with infertility has a range of physical and mental mental anguish, emotional stress, financial difficulties, anger, guilt, sadness, depression. I mean, ladies, it's just a host of things that you go through. My heart just breaks that in the midst of sometimes what God is doing, you know, just what Kate said, that God was working in the background, that we have such intense emotions that go with us that really drive us not only to our knees in prayer, but to our knees in desperation. Well, yeah, I think too, to add to that list, I'm thankful for the grace of assistance through IVF or whatever help that women get uh, or and men to help get pregnant. But there is such a significant financial toll, emotional toll, and hormonal toll, physical toll on women, especially women, doing those treatments. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And I've I've gotten to sit with someone before and let her tell me her story of going through those fertility treatments. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just have no idea until you're in the midst of it. And so if you're in the midst of that right now listening, I wish I could give you a hug today. Yes. And just tell you, we're praying, mm-hmm. we're praying that what you're doing, that God is in, is working in the midst of that, and there's a little gift at the end. But if it's not, bless you. Mm-hmm. Just know we see you today. Mm-hmm. I want us to look for a moment in Scripture at one specific mom um, named Hannah, because this story is so interesting because it actually gives us a glimpse into what she suffered. Yeah. Like her suffering is part of this. Some of the stories that you read in Scripture about these women that were barren, we don't actually know a lot about what they went through. But Hannah, we do, and it's in 1 Samuel. Um, And so uh, she was married to a man named Elkanah who actually had two wives. And Scripture tells us that one of his wives had children, but Hannah did not. And so every year he would go up to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. And while they were there, this other wife would provoke Hannah. And she would grieve her because she had no children. I mean, I just, where are you, Panina? I think that's her name. I'm going to come get you. Like, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah, Pamini. Pamini. (laughs) She was the worst because she would like go to her. Yes, and that's her new name. Her and yeah, it was the worst. Just for those of you listening, it's really not Pamini, but <laughs> that's my new name for her. We're gonna call her that. She just experienced such judgment and malicious intent on the yeah. part of this other wife. And scripture I read today, it went on for years. Yeah, years. Yeah. She had to experience this. And some of the things that scripture tells us Hannah experienced was that she wouldn't eat. Right. She wept bitterly. Her Mm -hmm. heart was sad. It tells us that even her marriage was struggling because her husband just wanted so badly to help her and meet a need, and he felt helpless. Yeah, he said, aren't I enough? Uh, Sir, wouldn't that listen? That's a good word for us to give grace to our husbands that in the moment of pain try to say something kind, and you're like, But you got me, babe. Okay, well. (laughs) That's not helpful. That's not helpful. Uh, she was deeply, deeply distressed. But the thing that we see over and over in her experience is that she prayed. Mm-hmm. Infertility did not create a barrier between her and God. Yeah. And maybe one of you needs to hear that today, that your struggle with infertility is not 
supposed to create a barrier between you and God. In fact, it should drive you to God. That's right. And so Eli the priest sees Hannah praying and weeping bitterly, and he actually mistakes it for her being drunk. Right. Because she's praying in her heart, so um, her mouth is moving, but he can't hear the words. And so he actually judges her harshly. But when Hannah comes over to explain what's happening, he actually changes course. Yeah. And he agrees to petition God on her behalf for her to have a child. And so I want to say that for some of us, we, we have no idea the personal toll that it takes on somebody struggling with infertility. And I think sometimes we might falsely judge them. We might see a mom in isolation that's withdrawing or pulling back, or we might see a change in her attitude, or maybe even her marriage is struggling. And so on our end, we judge and we think, oh, we know what's going on. We may have absolutely no idea yeah. what's happening. Yeah. And so there's no way if you haven't been in that position to fully understand the anguish that that mama feels, uh-huh. but we have to be able to to show grace and kindness. Kate, what do you think is a way that, that people can at least, I don't know, attempt to be kind? Yeah, I, I just think it, we kind of talked about this last time about not jumping to a conclusion about somebody and not looking not having such a critical spirit about other moms and what they're doing or not doing. And to keep in mind that even if a mom has one child or two, that doesn't mean that she is not struggling with infertility. Uh, so that was one of the things that was really hard for me. It's even weird for me to share right now, but I had two children, but wanted so badly to have a third. And We tried for years, and I didn't understand why we were not getting pregnant because the first two had come pretty easily, Um, and it was a really hard season, and that month after month thing is real, and I felt guilty even feeling sad about it because I had two kids, and then I didn't feel like I could say anything to anyone because you're like, you know, thinking that they're looking at you saying, well, God's already given you two, ma'am. You should be satisfied, Um, and that was a season where I sang over and over, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." That was kind of my mantra in that season. Um, but it was painful, and it took us six years to have Caroline between, you know, Caroline and Lydia. So it was a long time. Yes. Um, but I think just kind of keeping in mind that we don't know a struggle a mom is going through. And so instead of assuming, oh, she's – she's withdrawing because she doesn't want to talk to me or she's withdrawing because she thinks she's better than me or she's just not responding to my texts. Like maybe our knee jerk reaction is not to take, to take it personal, but just to consider maybe she has something going on. That's right. And give her some grace. And maybe start praying before you even talk to her. Just start praying. One of the encouragements I would give us is that we need to just be praying for each other in general. Yeah. Like when God brings a mom's name to your heart during the day and you don't really understand why it's there, Mm -hmm. would you just stop and pray? Mm -hmm. I think that's the Holy Spirit saying, I need you to pray for this person right now. Yes. And if you have some ill feelings towards someone, because maybe you don't fully understand, pray. Mm -hmm. Like that should be our first, just what you said, knee-jerk reaction to pray. Yeah. And second of all, don't feel like you have to talk too much. Because I think sometimes when we get in that situation, we just start oversharing, you know? Yes. Like, you don't need to say things that you think are helpful that very well could come out very uncompassionate. Yeah. They don't need your advice. Yeah. They don't need your story of so-and-so that you heard did this. Uh-huh. Because trust me, they have researched. They uh-huh. have thought. <laughs> they have asked. They have tried. Yeah. They have done it all. Yeah. And more than anything, they just need a hug. 
Right. Unless they have specifically solicited your feedback, which they probably have not, then yes. It's, it's probably safer to ask questions of like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How can I support you? Those kind of yes, questions. Yes. That trying to, and probably the person giving advice, their heart's in the right place. Exactly. They want to help them. Yes. You know, yes. they're like, I don't know, some witchy woman. Have you tried tea tree oil on a washcloth at 12 o'clock? I don't know. Yes. You know, like there's yes. all these like ideas and yes. you want to share them because you heard it worked somewhere. But I, I think there's so much wisdom in resisting that urge That's and right. instead asking them to lead us in what they need. Keep your stories to yourself. Yes. 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 They don't <laughs> go write that down for your book later in life. But uh-huh. They don't need to hear it right now. Uh-huh. So lots of you that are listening today may have struggled uh, with infertility that you may be right there in the midst of struggling with it. But you know what? We're all in a season of waiting. Mm. So all of us can understand what it's like to have to wait. And one thing that we can't do is compare our waiting with another person's. Yeah. I think it's really easy to look at someone and think, well, I waited longer or mm-hmm. she didn't wait as long or she didn't have to wait at all. And, and what we need to see in scripture is that waiting is biblical. Yeah. And all these stories that I told you earlier about these women that God highlighted, all of their waiting was different. It's not the yeah. same for any two people. Yeah. So the last thing we need to do is compare our seasons of waiting with each other. We just need to lean into that waiting and ask God what he wants to teach us. And last week, Kate talked about just this idea of Ecclesiastes and that uh-huh. everything has a season. What is it that you shared last week about that? About that there's a time to mourn and a time to celebrate and, you know, a time to sow and a time to reap and... um that oddly, there was a time to kill and a time slay. Remember, slay, we're, kill we're it, gonna, kill yeah. it. We're gonna slay it. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, that there's a time for each thing, um, and it, and in motherhood and and enjoying motherhood, there's a time to mourn and there's a time to celebrate. That's right. And God sets each of those things in His time. And waiting is a reality for the life of faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then waiting is going to be part of those seasons. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just going to be one season. It's going to be multiple seasons that you wait on the Lord because God continually calls his people to wait. And honestly, we see it as a negative. We always think of waiting as being defined by what is not instead of what is. Like imagine waiting in the line at the grocery store. You're not getting to check out. Imagine waiting in traffic. You're not getting somewhere on time. Uh, Imagine your child waiting for Christmas. They're not getting to open presents yet. But actually waiting in scripture is not about what's not happening, but what God is doing in the midst of the waiting. Dude, that's fire. That's very good. Waiting in scripture is the active turning to the Lord. It's Uh an invitation to be active, to do something, but you're doing it in faith Mm. instead of doing it in your own strength. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Moms, in that season of waiting, when you think nothing is happening, God is doing something. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you want to do is get to the end of that season of waiting and look back and go, I wish I'd leaned in. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd asked God to teach me what he wanted instead of just being consumed with my grief. Yeah. Ask God, lean into it, be active and turning to the Lord in that. I think sometimes we ask that question, why do we wait? Like if God desires all these good things for us, then why do we have to wait for him to give them to us? Uh And I think one of the things that all of us struggle with is that our desire for the gift sometimes overtakes our desire for the giver. Yes. 
So the the period of waiting is actually helping you articulate your need for God instead of for the thing. Mm -hmm. Because when God gives us things in an easy manner or quickly, I forget him like right away. Yeah. And I just move on with the gift and I'm just excited for it. Yeah. But when I don't have that thing that I think I want or need, that's where that struggle comes. And yes, for a while, I often turn to my own self, my control, what I can do, how I can Google that and figure that out. Yeah. But there always comes a point at which I'm at the bottom and I'm like, I, there's nothing left. Uh-huh. And I know God doesn't want me to have to wait till that point to look to him. Yeah. <laughs> but at that very bottom of the pit, yeah. then what I do is I look up because yeah. it's all that's left. No, and it's it's so much sweeter when he gives it after a waiting. That's so interesting and good for you to say. Like, this is a super weird thing. Um, but the only pregnancy test I kept was at Caroline's. And I know it's like a weird thing. It's like I peed on that. But... I keep it in my bathroom drawer because it's just a constant reminder. Like when I see it, it brings tears to my eyes because it was this long awaited gift from God that I asked for, that my soul just like cried out to him for. And I will never forget when that stick changed and I was like, you know, just blown away by God's kindness. I agree. I agree. I think we need those physical reminders of the things that God's doing in our life. And just something that I think happens sometimes when you're waiting, and I'm just going to be vulnerable here, is I think sometimes when you've waited for a long time for something, you start to become prideful. Okay. Because I start to look at God and go, do you see me here? Mm. I'm trying real hard. Yeah. I'm waiting a long time. I'm being patient. Look how patient I'm being. I think we start to have a part of ourself that wells up inside of us in a sense of pride that like we've done enough. Like he owes us. It's he time. owes us. Yeah. God, I've done enough. Yeah. I mean, aren't you finished now? Can't you just bring us to the end of whatever this cycle is? Yeah. And I think that when you ask that question, you know, why am I waiting? Why am I waiting? And you get frustrated because God's not giving it to you. And you look around and go, I'm doing so much more than all these people. They have no idea that there's a sense of pride there. Mm. That's come between you and God because you feel like he owes you something. And I was listening to this podcast yesterday and this quote just caught me. It said, humility and its presence is directly related to anxiety and its absence. Mm -hmm. When you are prideful before God, your anxieties are heavy. Yeah. Because you feel like something has gone wrong and it's not fair. Mm -hmm. But when you humble yourself before the Lord that anxiety starts to release the tension from your shoulders because you remember that God is in control. Right. And he is the giver of all good things. Yeah. And God, whatever you need me to do, help me to do that. Yeah. For you. First Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Mm-hmm. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And what I learned yesterday from this speaker is that that word cast it's whatever it's however it's written in the Greek is actually connected to the verse before it. It's not just like an indicative, like do this now. Mm-hmm. It's do this because of okay. what you just did. Okay. So sometimes when we come to God, we cast our anxiety on him. We're like, here, uh-huh. I'm tired of this. Uh-huh. But I think it's like, yeah, but you're not humbling yourself. Okay. You're just frustrated with me. Yeah. But when I humble myself and then I cast my anxiety on him, I really am releasing it to God. Yes. God, I have no control. I have nothing to add to this situation. You are God. Please take this and do what you want. Hmm. 
Our story of waiting is our witness, guys. When you are in a season of waiting, it's actually going to turn into part of your testimony. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of what God does is he always redeems our struggle. Mm -hmm. So that struggle is going to encourage somebody else. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer yet doesn't mean you can't tell your story now. Well, and I'm thinking about... As you think, as you talk about that waiting is never wasted, you know, I'm thinking about moms waiting on a child, but I'm also thinking about moms who are waiting on a, on something to give in any area of their life. They're waiting on something to let up. They're waiting on an opportunity. They're waiting on a breakthrough. Uh, They're waiting for something to get better or, and I think just in the general waiting, we also see God all over that. Like I think about, like Moses, wasn't it forty years? Yeah, in the as he like lots, a, he had lots of forties <laughs> as a shepherd. Like he had his first forty, but then his second forty was like in yeah. the desert Keeping as a sheep. shepherd. You know, before then he becomes the Moses that parts the Red Sea. Right. Um, I'm studying Paul right now, and I did not realize it all makes sense when you look at his timeline. But actually, after he his conversion in Damascus, he shares in Damascus and he goes to Jerusalem. But then he heads back to Tarsus. He is potentially in Tarsus up to 10 years before he is sent out. Like it is a long, like I think when we think of Paul, we think of like he's converted, bam, he's off to the races. No, there was like a quiet season for him, a yes. waiting. Yes. Season. What was God doing in that? And obviously God was doing something. Yes. Because God had to have Paul ready to become who he was going to be. That's right. That's right. You know, to help us and to help the Jews understand what was happening, you know, with their religion and the Christ was the fulfillment, like all that he had to have that time. That's right. And I think you're so right. I love what you said about, we always think about what we, it is not instead of what it is. Right. The waiting is never wasted. And it's important. Yeah. I think we're just, we want things to come so easy to us. It's like our kids with their multiplication facts. Uh (laughs) I mean, I keep telling Abby over and over, I'm like, you got to practice. They just want it to happen tomorrow. Sure. Well, aren't we the same way? Oh, yes. Don't we want God just to bless tomorrow? Yes. And God's going, I got something bigger. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like that just kind of like hits my heart right now as I say that, because we think the baby is the end goal. Uh Uh-huh. What if it's you? Yes. (laughs) What if it's you and what God's doing in you? Yes. Because he needs you to be that for that child. Yeah. Okay. I got to just sit on that for a minute. Listen, I think some of you are in a season of waiting and you're like, okay, well, I'll talk about it when it's over and God's fixed it. Would you talk about it right now? Mm. Would you go ahead and share your story so that some other person in their season of waiting can find encouragement from you and your season of waiting? Tell somebody about how God's showing up, just what what Kate said about just those little graces that God gives us in those moments where you see his hand and you just kind of go, oh, okay, God, I see you. Would you share that with somebody? Would you share what parts of God's character you're experiencing that you never have before because you never have been in an experience where you were so desperate for God? Mm. I mean, honestly, when we get to heaven, that's what we should be asking Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel. Yeah. What did you learn about God in yeah. all those years of waiting? Uh-huh. Because he was teaching them something. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do right now is just share with you, because I reached out to some of my friends that are in this season of waiting, and I wanted you to hear from them because they are the ones that are currently experiencing this struggle. And so Melissa shares this. She said, when God takes us to that place of desperation, 
hoping and praying for a viable pregnancy or adoption match, he allows us to become desperate for him. Mm. I gained such an intimacy with God, and I'm forever changed. The best advice I received during my years of infertility, both primary and secondary, was don't miss this opportunity to lean into God. Beautiful. So good. And then McKessa, she shares this. My husband and I have been struggling to get pregnant for over three years. My relationship with God has grown abundantly in the last year. I have learned to lean on God even in my hardest battles. I can say I have joy in my affliction. Mm -hmm. That only comes from God. Wow. I always wondered how someone could be happy through their struggles, and I couldn't understand why Christians mainly were so happy during the most difficult moments. I get it now. I have that, and I can't explain it, but it truly comes from God. And then my friend Andrea, she and her husband waited 15 years mm -hmm. to have their first baby. Um, I tell her all the time that when I read scripture, um, I see her face mm. because I really think God opened her womb. Yeah. And she is, um, she has a beautiful baby boy. Guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she's pregnant with their second right now. And the second one was the same. They weren't trying. It just, God just opened her womb. Mm. Um, and she said, the way our story has unfolded, it's so much better than anything I could have ever planned. And this wasn't at all how we imagined our life going. But on this side of waiting, I can see the goodness of God so clearly every single time I look at my son he was unexpected, but not unplanned, because God already knew the exact moment he'd be born and exactly when we'd need him. I think through the waiting, I've learned that it doesn't matter what I want or how hard I try to make something happen. If it's not in the story God has written for us or just not yet in the story, it's not going to happen. What he has in store for us is infinitely better than anything we could ever write for ourselves. Incredible. Guys, that's what happens in those moments of waiting. God gives you words that you would not have if you weren't in that moment with him. And one of the last things I want to share with you, this is one of our core beliefs here at Gather Moms, is that just because you don't have a biological child or an adoptive child or a foster child or you're still just waiting, it doesn't mean that you don't have the heart of a mother. Right. You are created in the image of God. And where does motherhood come from? That's right. From God. Yes. The creator. Yeah. This one author said it this way. He said, mothers are everywhere. If only we have eyes to see them. Motherhood is woven into the very fabric of creation. And God says that all of creation tells about his glory. Mm -hmm. Motherhood is more than just physically giving birth. We need more Mary Poppins of Christendom. Mm. Because in many such women, I have seen the proverb 31 woman who never lets a fellow Christian go hungry, works hard to clothe the needy, and takes care to make sure the life of the church runs smoothly. So even a woman without biological offspring can have Christian children who rise up and call her blessed. Beautiful. We see you, and I want you to know that as we sat and talked about this, Kate and I, we knew that this was such an important part of this Mind Your Motherhood series because we didn't want you to feel like we were skipping over that so important season of waiting. Right. But we also know that you can't cover it all in one podcast. Yes. So we've tried hard to say the things that God laid on our hearts but I know there's so much more to say. So if you'll go to our blog, our Gather blog, we're going to upload some blog posts from these mamas that I shared, from people that are experiencing that right now, so that you can have even more resources and words to help you in your struggle. And then also 
want to encourage you to go to our social media at Gather Moms on Insta and Facebook. That's where Kate and I interact with you on a regular basis. And as we go through this series, Mind Your Motherhood, we want to ask you questions. We want you to feel like your voice is being heard. So as we go, talk back to us. Help us know what are the things that you want to hear more about or that you just need somebody to say out loud. Because that's our goal is to be that voice for you. So if nothing else, you can just go, yes, God, that's how I feel. We want you to know we love you. We see you. Thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next time. Bye, moms.